Welcome to the Well Played Podcast. I'm your host, Warren Curtis. We are back again after another little uh, brief uh, leave of absence, let's call it. Um, But tonight we're talking about Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, Fallout, the Game Awards, and more. Uh, But before we get into it, let's talk about what it is we do here on the show. We're here to talk about gaming from a mature adult perspective. And what that means is we're not going to get into console wars. We don't wave a fanboy flag. And we don't get into petty arguments about gaming. What we will do is talk facts about games and the gaming industry in simple language and give our opinions on why these things matter. We will talk about gaming as an adult and as parents. And we will also talk about the games that we've been playing. You can find more from us on YouTube. The link is in the description and on Twitter by following at Amarin Studios. That is A-M-A-R-R-E-N-S-T-U-D-I-O-S. We are available as an audio show on Spotify and Apple, Google, wherever you want to catch your pods. Be sure to like us, rate us, ring that bell, because all of that helps everyone else find the show. And we want those comments. We want your feedback. So let's hear it. Um, before we get into the whole thing, uh, let me just kind of address the uh, the little bit of a break there. My last episode was towards the end of October. Um, I had a, a very busy period of time there with, uh, obviously, we had you know Halloween coming up. We had... Um, uh, some school stuff happening with the kids and, and events like that. Uh, I also had the last round of chemotherapy go. Um, I had an MRI as a result of that. I did prepare and everything for that. So with all those things kind of happening, I just never really sat down and put together an episode. I really wanted to. I just wasn't able to find the time when I had the energy or have the energy when I had the time. So that being said, we're here. Let's do it. Um, I want to remind everybody about the Well Played Podcast blog that is at Well Played Podcast, all one word dot blogspot dot com. Um, you can find our uh, our video game reviews there. We'll also do some other news articles as as time goes on, and that will be getting updated on a regular basis. Uh, whereas I'm going to try to keep these episodes in into a weekly format, and then do uh, do news articles kind of in between discussing that. Um, with all that said, let's get into it. Uh, right as I was writing this tonight, the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer, uh, which was slated to be revealed to everyone yet, uh, tomorrow morning, which would be uh, Tuesday, December 5th at 9am, um, it leaked online. And Rockstar, as a result of that, decided to not only take down the account that, that did that and issue a, a copyright strike there, but they also decided to release the trailer proper and just say, hey, here you go, have at it. Um, I, I want to talk about that itself because leaking things, it it's a bit of a conflict, right? But leaking things on the, uh, on the internet for reveals and things like that is, to me, it's wrong. You're taking the thunder out from all the effort of all these hundreds, thousands of people that make Grand Theft Auto, um, taking all these all this effort out of their sales, all this wind is, is depleted, right? Um, they built up for this moment and somebody took that from them 
and that's that's not fair um and it's not fair when it happens to any developer or any uh, any project video games being a weird kind of aspect where we don't really talk about it until we talk about it whereas in movies and and literature and things like that things are talked about much earlier in the process so it, it is a little different with video games but that's because it's a moving target that is constantly trying to get hit and there's a lot of pieces involved in order to do that so i don't like seeing leaks like that happen um where i do kind of deal in the market of leaks when it comes to like news and updated information on things this is a little different um i i would never leak specific content about a topic i would never uh i would never say hey you know this is what grand theft auto 6 is here's what it looks like here's all the things i know about it within that 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 to me is wrong i i would say that hey i hear that this exists i hear this about it but i don't necessarily think i would go into details when it comes to stuff like that in fact i have active actively avoided a lot of the details about grand theft auto 6 that i did know um because and i'm still going to avoid the ones that i know that haven't been revealed yet uh i don't think that's right anyways let's talk about this trailer um trailer was 90 seconds i think it's was a perfect introduction to grand theft auto uh and to grand theft auto 6 sorry not not obviously to the universe but i think it was a very good kind of set the stage trailer um it introduced us to the uh, first main protagonist uh, lucia um who for the first time ever we're going to be playing as a female uh character in the game and one of the characters that you can play um my understanding is that there is two protagonists that you play as lucia and her uh significant other in this case um and i think that's kind of shown a little bit in the trailer so that's why i'm talking about it but other than that um that's kind of where i'm going to leave it um we saw in the trailer and if you haven't seen the trailer yet pause this go watch the trailer come on back um we did see a lot of kind of viral videos in the trailer and i think in typical grand theft auto fashion we're going to see uh uh you know like a TikTok style social media be involved in some of the narration of the game and some of the features of the game um so i, I do think that'll be likely uh you know all in all though uh this trailer wasn't necessarily to show us anything as far as features go there, there's going to be tidbits in there that we look at and go that's neat um or we're going to understand what they are once we know further details about the game but with what we know right now with what's been revealed um it was it was just setting the stage for us it was it was giving us the time and place that this is all going to kind of occur and uh, and give us a general vibe of it and the general vibe I got from it was uh, Florida with a capital F. Um, it, it's definitely borrowing that Florida man vibe, if you will, on, on a lot of parts of this. And uh, and, and the, it's there. Uh, uh, I think the most exciting part of a Grand Theft Auto release always for me is the soundtrack. Um, they take a lot of care and attention into creating the soundtrack for the game all the different radio stations and all and all the different content and what that looks like um and they hit it out of the park i think with the initial trailer you know we had tom petty's 
love is a long road. Sorry. Uh, Tom Petty's love is a long road uh, playing and, and just some good in engine um, showcasing of, of what's happening in the, in the universe. So that that's, that's really good. Uh, let me know your thoughts in the comments. Let's uh, let's keep talking about this and see, uh, see what we learn down the road for it. Um, speaking of things down the road, uh, the Game Awards happens this coming Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I will be doing a co-stream of that, so we'll we'll talk about the reveals as they happen and the awards as they happen, and uh, and we'll talk a little bit more kind of about the Game Awards itself and how that process works and the, um, the awards and nominees for that a little bit later on in this show. Um, busy week as well. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 Season 1 starts on wednesday uh they showcase some of the content involved in that with um new maps for uh for warzone uh some new maps uh coming in 6v6 and i believe 2v2 for uh modern warfare itself modern warfare uh, 3 multiplayer some new weapons uh, new battle pass and content there so some things picking up steam there finally for that um I will talk a little bit more about Modern Warfare 3 a little bit later on as well in the show, so stay tuned for that. A uh, new trailer for the Fallout TV show was revealed on Saturday. Uh, the Fallout TV show is releasing on Amazon Prime, um, coming from Jonathan Nolan, the brother of Christopher Nolan, and the creator, well, sorry, I don't. he was the director of Westworld. The show was created by Michael Crichton, who wrote the book, but anyways, long story short, he was the guy that with the vision for HBO's Westworld. And my vibe off that trailer is so far so good. It's doing what I think it needs to do. And I liked it. Um, we'll see what happens. I think it's April 12th that comes out. So we'll see how that looks. We also got a new uh, trailer for the Halo TV show on uh, Saturday for the season two of it. Now... The first season was a little controversial because it, it broke the lore in a lot of spots for Halo and kind of the Chief was a little bit of a different character. There's there's some narrative reasons why that needed to happen. Um, and, and that's mainly because, uh, well, it's a TV show. Let, let's start off first and foremost. The, the Chief says, Master Chief says in, a video, in any video game, like what, six lines of dialogue tops. Um, it's a TV show. He needs to have a bit of a personality aside from uh, mass murdering military cyborg dude, right? He needs to have a mentality, a little bit of a different personality. There needs to be a character arc for him more than I murder things and Cortana's my friend. And, uh, and, and that needed to evolve when you're going into a TV show. Um, in a game, we are providing a lot of that inner monologue or that narration as we're playing. And that doesn't cut the mustard on a TV show. You can't leave it up to the audience to decide certain things. Uh, when you do leave the audience up to decide certain things, that's how you get like controversial shows like Lost and how that ended and stuff like that. So um, that being said, Halo Season 2 does look like it has a, uh, a bit of a better budget. And I think there's a, a direction that it's going in that's, a, you know, it's going to stick to the lore at the key holding points. And I think that's vital um, because the lore is more about Halo, the universe, and less about Master Chief. 
right? This isn't Master Chief the TV show. This is Halo the TV show. And uh, and I think we're starting to see the realization of that a little bit differently in uh, in the season two. And I'm excited to see what that looks like. That comes out on Paramount Plus in February. Um, I believe all episodes of season one are streaming free on YouTube right now if you don't have Paramount Plus. So that might be region locked for certain regions. So take a look and see if you can find it. But it should be there. Um, game of the year. Uh, I did want to talk a bit about that. Uh, next week, I'm going to do this and and talk about my game of the year selections and kind of what that all means um, in my process and all that. I am going to do a dedicated game of the year broadcast for that, and then uh, and then we'll do a, a different show afterwards for for news and updates. Um, yeah, it's a it's a interesting list i have so far um my criteria just going to touch on it quickly though my criteria for game of the year it has to be a game i played um this year and preferably have beaten um all the way some games obviously you don't have to beat in order to get the full uh, understanding or appreciation of but um I, i like to keep it that i've beaten it all the way and it's a uh and it's obviously a game that i uh, came out this year and that I've played fully. Um, additionally, uh, with that as well, uh, I am going for a full calendar year lock on this. So anything that comes out after basically now, because I'm not going to probably get another game in between now and then, um, definitely not beating it. But anything that comes out in that calendar year will be good. And then next year, I will go from this episode on, right? So I'll lock it in at that date and move on, and that's what's going to be eligible for that period of time. So it doesn't have to necessarily be a calendar year. It will be a full 12-month cycle. It's just this is the first one, so I'm, I'm kind of broadening it out for that. I also will not include expansions in this, so there is no cyberpunk liber uh, Phantom Liberty uh, involvement here because that is not a new... It, it is a new game in this case, but it's not a, um, it, it normally it wouldn't apply, right? With Phantom Liberty, we got uh, the creation of uh, like Cyberpunk 2.0, really, right? It, it brought in a whole new uh, kind of subsystems into the game, really expanded the, the game much better, and, and kind of finally put the icing on the cake when it comes to what that game should have shipped like when it came out a couple of years ago. So that's what, that would be the exception. And I don't think uh, uh, breaking that rule, even though it's the first year I'm, I'm doing this, I don't want to set a precedent. So next year I would have to do like a Spider-Man thing or something, right? Like it, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing to me. Now, that being said, I We'll probably talk about some expansion stuff. I haven't played a lot of expansions this year, so having a category for it seems a little weird for me. Remember, I'm, I'm very limited in the amount of people that I uh, resource this stuff with, so it's kind of uh, think about that. Um, kind of along those same, same vibes, I was talking a, a little bit earlier about how the Game Awards... Is, while it's broadcasting, I'm going to co-stream that. Um, and I kind of wanted to talk about that process and that whole thing because there's been a lot of discussion 
uh, is probably the nice way of putting it online about the the process. And you know, some people are calling into question its eligibility or or the corruption of it because their favorite game didn't make it. And and I'll be point blank with you here. One of my favorite games isn't on the list at all. And and it's the game that I think has started a lot of this controversy. But let, let's talk about that a little bit. And that is Starfield. Um, so why didn't Starfield get nominated for Game of the Year? Well, to know that, you have to understand the process of how the Game Awards, which is one of the thousands of outlets that gives a Game of the Year award out. I am an outlet that has a Game of the Year award. You could have an outlet that has a Game of the Year award too. It is relatively meaningless when it comes to that. Uh, what it is is something to center a discussion around and, and have a, uh, a good discussion about what made that game good over a different one or things like that. And that's, that's why I like the process. That's why I like that. So with the Game Awards, what happens is there is a myriad of uh, not just journalists, but um, social media uh, influencers and things like that that have a vote. Now, outlets have a vote. So what would happen is they will have their own collective meeting and they will go, this is our, our nomination for it. And they will provide their nomination. And that forms the list of nominees. So if they have five nominees or six nominees, whatever the, the limit is, I can't remember what the Game Awards does, um, they will take their their top five or whatever it is nominees and they'll put it out, right? So to say that uh, Starfield didn't get nominated would be a lie because it got nominated just to meet the threshold for the finals, basically. And the finals is these final five games. Or, or six games. I will pull up that list in a sec. I keep on getting confused because some categories have a certain amount. Some other categories have another amount. Um, game of the year. Here we go. So we have we do have six nominees for game of the year uh, with the game awards. And that is Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and I'm going to be quite frank. I love Starfield. It is not better than any of these games. Simple as that. Um, out of these six games, I would have to put my nominee, my pick, if it were my vote, would be in between Super Mario Brothers Wonder and The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. And that being said, I think I would still give it to Zelda out of the two. Um, but the real fight is probably going to be in between Baldur's Gate 3 and Alan Wake 2. And that is only because I feel that Baldur's Gate 3, um, it came out of nowhere and it caught everybody off guard. Nobody expected it to be that good. Um, and, and universally accepted as good. Uh, it's a game that a lot of people I don't think ever even heard of, you know, the Baldur's Gate series, until 3 came along. And it was... I think the way it came out was special. The way it, it, uh, it got released to... 
or sorry, received by the uh, by the journalists and the social media people and things like that that were reviewing it. I think I think the way it got received by them is very special, and this is kind of a lightning in the bottle situation. And this is also, as you can see, it's it, if you look at this list, this is a watershed moment for for gaming. Like you're talking three hugely four hugely critically acclaimed games or sorry hugely anticipated games with Alan Wake 2 being very crit uh very eagerly awaited Baldur's Gate 3 being very eagerly awaited Spider-Man 2 eagerly awaited um and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom being very eagerly awaited uh that that is that is to me very special that we would have th that many games that people were pining for for a very long time in the same year and then we have Resident Evil 4. It is a remake. But, and there's some discussion to have there about whether remakes are eligible. I think remakes should be eligible. I don't think remasters should be eligible. Um, and the core difference there is, is you're essentially throwing a texture pack on a remaster, right? Whereas a, a remake is a ground-up re-envisioning of what that game would be like. So we're going to remake this game, you know, this plot essentially, but with new technologies and new understandings of how those experiences work. And that's what we got with Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4 was a complete kind of reimagining of the game from the ground up with modern technology versus the old RE engine and uh, gameplay characteristics that wouldn't have been included because they didn't know about them yet. All right, these are gameplay characteristics they they've incorporated from other games since they were like hey this was really popular and people really like that let's work that into it and things like that so i think there's a very special discussion to have around remakes and what makes them special i don't think resident evil 4 technically even is a remake um i think it's that that unique of a game over it uh but you know we'll see um I could be wrong. I could be considered wrong in that aspect. Uh, the other thing that I do want to point out here is none of these are original IP. Uh, they're all sequels in a series of sequels, right? Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. It's like the 20-something version of a 2D Mario. Um, the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Again, the sequel to... Breath of the Wild, a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild, one of only a couple Zelda direct sequels to exist, but a long line of Zelda games. No original IP in there. Um, I would like to see something original show up, but again, this year there was really only one possibility for that, and I think that's Starfield. And it obviously didn't happen. Anyways, with that in mind, back to the categories. Uh, and back to the show here quick, sorry. Um, so all these outlets get these votes. They put the votes out, or put the, uh, the nominees out, and then it's up to the public to vote on that specific category. So I could go in here and vote. You could go in here and vote. My dog could go in here and vote. Doesn't really matter. Um, and that's because the Game Awards is a commercial endeavor. And that's that's me being the nicest way of putting it. They are stringing together awards 
so they can sell advertising dollars, advertising space and make advertising dollars uh, in marketing. And it's a huge opportunity for marketing departments of video game companies to promote and showcase material. And that's why the Game Awards gets so many um, so many world rev uh, premieres or reveals. I, I know Keeley said he wasn't going to call them world premieres anymore, so we're not going to get world premiere. But, you know, they'll be there. Um, ironically, didn't get Grand Theft Auto, but Rockstar's always been a fuck you, we'll do what we want thing. And here they are saying, fuck you, we'll do what we want. And then they got their force hand by a kid, but you know, hey, back to the, back to that. Um, the the game of the year, obviously, I think is the one that gets the most attention. Um, out of all these awards, but there's, like, there there's ones in here that I think are really important as well to look at. Um, you know, we've got best score in music, and I think that is. That is an important one as well. We have original music being made for these games, and uh, and you know you have sometimes you have professional musicians come in. When I say that, like uh, like third parties come in, right, um, to come in, and you know Hans Zimmer has scored video game music, right, and uh, and otherwise you have like your typical orchestra teams that work with a video game studio, like. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is is nominated, and the team that's nominated is the Nintendo Sound Team. That's what it says right here, Nintendo Sound Team, because they do everything internally, whereas you have other studios hire people to do that. Um, interestingly, we have Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Final Fantasy 16, Hi-Fi Rush, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom have been nominated for Best Score in Music. And this is a category Hi-Fi Rush should win, in my opinion. Um, as much as I love, and I love video game music, as much as I love the other categories, I think, or the other uh, nominees, I think Hi-Fi Rush stood out because of its music being special. Um, also being a, a rhythm game helps with that too. So, whoops, uh, view all categories there, back into there. Um, we had uh, another one here. Let's go. See, I don't think that counts either. Whoops. Um, back to categories. I keep on hitting the wrong button. You know, um, best RPG. There's another example. So we have uh, Baldur's Gate 3, Final Fantasy 16, um, Lies of P, Sea of Stars, and Starfield in there. Um, Lies of P, yeah, I guess it, it follows that RPG aspect probably about as tightly as Starfield does. I think this is the only category Starfield's nominated in at TGAs, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, Actually, I can search that, can I? Yep, best RPG is the only category for Starfield. Um, 
and you know, I don't think it should win that. I think that's Baldur's Gate three should be winning that. Outside chance lies a P. Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes again, but because this is down for popular vote, we'll we'll see with that. And and some of these other categories. Sorry, now I got to clear that field because I searched that. Um, some of these other things like uh, what we have games for impact. Games for impact for a thought provoking game with a pro social meaning or message. And we have a space for the unbound, chance of Sonar, goodbye volcano high, Chia, Terranel, and Venba. And unfortunately, I've only played Chia of this, and I really enjoyed Tachia. Um, so I kind of hope that that's the winner because it's the one I'm familiar with. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Best independent game, uh, Cocoon, Dave the Diver, which is not an independent game. Dredge, Sea of Stars, and Viewfinder. Um, and the reason why I say Dave the Diver is not an independent game is because you just need to look up who owns the studio that made it. Mint Rocket. Yeah, Nexon Korea. That's not a very small game company because Nexon is a huge, giant corporation. Um... However, I think they're looking for indie-like, uh, which is a term for, they're calling it indie, independent as far as the aesthetics and the feel of the game goes. Um, I think there should be a category for independent games as far as the studio is not tied to a major publisher or distributor. They are their own thing. They are a small, independent studio. Um, you know, technically, well, no, not even that anymore, really. Um, like, EA is an independent studio. They're just massive, right? Um, so they wouldn't necessarily qualify for that. You know, they're, they should restructure how they phrase that. Small teams. You know, this was made by a team of 30 or less people. Um, the budget was this much, although we don't talk about gaming budgets a lot, but, you know, the but gaming budget or the budget to make this game was only so much that could be a benefit, a way of discussing this. Um, and then what they're doing here is those they're going off of the aesthetic and the feel of the game, which is double A. Like there's triple A games, there's double A games. This is double A. This is the category. So, anyways, um, all sorts of things happening in there, and there's lots of awards to give out. And there's, of course, lots of reveals and things like that. And I'm just going to let them be surprises when they come. To be honest, I think that's the best way to do it. I know some of it, but let, let them be surprises. And, uh, and we'll see how that goes from there. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's fair with it. Um, other thing I did want to talk about as well is the uh, there was a PC Gamer article about the most influential people in gaming in celebration of their like 30 years anniversary. They went back 30 years or 25 years or something like that. Um, I honestly can't remember. But 
they, uh, you know what, I could probably quickly pull that up. Um, because I did talk about it a little bit on my socials on, uh, on the Amarin Studios Facebook. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. Yeah, celebrate 30 years of PC Gamer magazine with us in our latest magazine issue. Look back on three glorious decades of being our trusted source for all things PC gaming out today. And they compiled the list of the most influential voices in the industry. There was not a single woman on that list. 30 years and they couldn't come up with a single woman that is influential in gaming let alone the most influential in gaming um, and in the industry, which is surprisingly embarrassing coming from a journalist outlet. Like, like you've got to look at that too, because I can think of many female gaming journalists that without their work, you know, we'd be lost. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I can think of like Rebecca Valentine, come right, right there, Lucy James, Right? There's two, I think, that are very vital uh, to, the, to the gaming sphere. Um, Miranda Sanchez over at IGN, very influential in the gaming sphere. Um, her predecessor, Alana Pierce, who, who worked at IGN for quite a while and then is now the head of writing. Well, not sorry, not the head of writing. A writer at Sony Santa Monica Studios. She wrote on God of War Ragnarok. She's writing on a yet-to-be-announced game at at Sony Santa Monica um, she has probably one of the biggest followings on social media when it comes to someone in her position uh, she's very influential um, just looking I'm just looking through the list of uh, that I was talking about here uh, because I kind of wanted to stay on the same points um, Jade Raymond you know I've talked about her on this show Jade Raymond uh, Haven is the name of the, her new studio. She worked at Ubisoft. She worked at EA. She made, made games like Star Wars Battlefront 2, uh, Squadrons, um, Star Wars Squadrons, a, uh, Far Cry games, like Assassin's Creed. Right? You're going to say she's not influential? She's making a new live service game for... Uh, for Sony right now as a Sony-owned studio. Um, Amy Henning. Amy Henning uh, wrote Uncharted. Probably one of the most influential games of a generation, let alone a, a person who's doing voices of it uh, as far as being in the, in the space, doing voices, or doing voices, being a voice within the space. Um, and she's leading up a, uh, was it a... Um, I think it's a Marvel project right now. Anyways, and you move on from there. Uh, Kim Swift, right? Kim Swift co-created Portal, which is, I think, was another genre, not even a genre-defining, uh, period-defining uh, game. Like, Portal was such a breakthrough game. Uh, both on the technological standpoint and on narrative standpoint, and uh, on a gameplay standpoint, that it was—it's probably one of my most favorite games of all time. Um, she went on to 
work on the team over at uh, Google Stadia doing the Stadia's internal development, like the hardware side. And now she works at uh, Microsoft as the head of cloud gaming, which is kind of a big deal right now, right? So, you know, it's a disservice to her to, to ignore that. Um, you know, and you want to talk about actual influential voices in the industry. What about Jennifer Hale? Everybody who's ever played a video game has heard Jennifer Hale's voice at some point in time or another. Like, and, and, and I'm not talking about like, you know, games we've never heard of or projects we've never heard about these people. Let me rhyme off here. This is just a list that I threw together off the top of my head while I was probably in the bathroom um, of, of games that were headed up or produ executive produced or written by a female. Uncharted, Legacy of Cain, Jack and Daxter, Dragon Age, Journey, Assassin's Creed, The Sims, Splinter Cell, Far Cry, Portal, Left 4 Dead, Star Wars Battlefront. Thirty years, and PC gamer couldn't come up with a single woman. Um, I think it's disadvantage to to women to reduce them to that aspect. It's a disadvantage to men to be for women to be reduced to that aspect because it's a dis disservice to the entire industry. The, and I don't slag people often, especially on a, on a public space like this. Um, but when it comes to something like PC Gamer, I am going to call this out. This is bullshit, and and it's gate, gatekeeper attitude by a magazine that lost its relevance probably 15 years into their 30-year history. Um, they are so preoccupied with... Uh, with their poor relationships with other media outlets, their poor relationships with publishers and, and distributors, their hate that they seem to have for Microsoft for some reason. Um, the amount of rage baiting and click baiting that they do in their articles is disgusting. Uh, their social media presence is absolutely disgusting. And as I say, they, they kind of lost all relevance quite a while ago. Here I am talking about them because I think it's obtuse that they couldn't even get their own head out of their own ass long enough to realize that maybe they should put a female's fucking name on a list. But because that list was probably compiled by a bunch of white dudes in a room, they still get that, that tech bro mentality going on. They probably couldn't wait to slam together this list so they can go out and drown some brews or something. And that's disgusting. Like the whole gatekeeper bro bro attitude, it can just fuck right off. Women deserve better. Women deserve recognition. Out of all the things that I hope transpire down the road here, it's, you know, this has been a rough year for gaming as an industry. It's been a great year for games as games, a rough year for the, the people that make them. And, uh, and I hope a lot of these layoffs and things like that get corrected and, and things start moving in the right direction. But on the same token, it needs to do that in an equal and fair manner for 
everyone involved in the development process of, of the game or it's or it's useless and these companies deserve what comes to them if they can't get their own head of their own ass like i said about pc gamer which i hope goes bankrupt very soon just saying um that's that's kind of where i was at with with that uh yeah i was trying to think there was something else i i did want to bring up but um didn't really get into there i did want to point out that yes i am indeed in the matrix this week uh we um we're uh well with christmas and stuff around the corner we have all sorts of things moving around and stuff and honestly back here just a ton of junk in my way and so i just put myself in the matrix for the week it is what it is um yeah uh that, that's probably fair for that um you know let, let's just do this quick and we will come back so a quick discussion here i need to center myself a little bit better Woo, here i am uh w energy uh so little uh thing i've been talking about w for a few months here now um i've been a customer of theirs for quite a while now and they reached out and said hey would you mind promoting our stuff well we can give you uh, uh a promo code so other people can share it they gave me a discount off of purchasing some stuff so i can talk a bit more about it um and it's, it's the same code so it all works so anyways I can share this promo code. The code is well played. You get 10% off your purchase. Um, this stuff is really good as far as an energy drink goes. Um, it's a non-carbonated. It's a powder that you mix yourself. It doesn't have that powdery taste. It, um, it doesn't give you that crash. It doesn't give you the jitters. It's, it's all in all a very good quality product. The flavors they have are unreal. This is my favorite one. This one here is my favorite one. Yeah, there it is. Um, Dragonade, uh, really, really good flavors. As I say, Dragonade's good. Beach and Peach is, is really good. Dub Sludge is really good. Um, yeah, good, good quality product. Doesn't give you the jitters. Costs you just less than a buck a, uh, a drink when you break it down. And, uh, and considering the fact that you're, you know, you got to mix it yourself and things like that. You can also control your portion a little bit. You want just a, a small bit of it, just adjust the ratio of your powder, right? So that's a, that's a huge benefit. Shipping is, is fairly quick on it. I think it took me, um, at worst, it took me two weeks to get my, uh, my product. And I'd spent most of that sitting at customs. So I think Canada Post probably just forgot about it or something. Anyways. Good stuff. Use uh, code. Go to w.gg and you can use code WELLPLAYED to get 10% off. And back to the show. Um, and I can sit back over here. So I have everything skewed. You probably can't see because I have auto framing on, on the camera. But I have everything skewed because of obstructions. And uh, just moving over here was a little trickier. Anyways. Um, yeah, back to it. Let's talk about reviews. Uh, so I did have, uh, as I discussed earlier, wellplayedpodcast.blogspot.com uh, um, where I'm putting my written content in there. And I do have a new review live right now that I want to talk about. 
And that new review is, I didn't even save it up there. Oh, I am fired. Um, that new review is for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, uh, the 2023 release of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Um, let's talk about this quick. Uh, and I'm going to read straight from my review in here. Call of Duty returns in 2023 with a follow-up to 2022's Modern Warfare 2. Developed by Sledgehammer Games, the studio was given roughly 18 months to complete what should have been 36 months of work, and it shows. Modern Warfare 3 should have been an expansion, or better yet, a 2025 game. But instead, the executives at Activision decided the studio needed to force out a title for 2023, and this is what we got. Let's start with the campaign and work our way through the game from there. The campaign is short at about four to five hours completion time, and it's not the same style of campaign that we've seen from other Call of Duty games. In fact, the campaign feels like it was made entirely within the multiplayer tool set that Call of Duty employs and coupled together with pre-rendered CG scenes as opposed to being made and designed in a more linear and traditional single-player focused fashion. The AI is clumsy at times and scarily accurate at others seemingly having the ability to see through walls while simultaneously forgetting that they have to shoot the weapons in order for them to work. The structure of how a campaign mission is completed is dramatically different than years prior, with large open maps to traverse, allowing the player to challenge objectives how they want and with different styles and methods. Loadouts change and can be changed, killstreaks appear as tools, and other noticeable differences occur. However, the game fails the player by not being focused on what objective uh, completion may mean, and at times, and at times, lacks explanation of what is expected of the player. Mission failure merely forces a reattempt, but no useful or useful tips or information will be provided to the player in order for them to understand what they did wrong in the eyes of the game. Uh, for example, stealth is the focus of one mission, and to remain undetected while you gain access to a restricted area. Um, is, is that's your objective? Sorry, I started reading ahead and got myself mixed up. Most games would provide tools to the player to inform them of enemy detection, so you know if an enemy is on you, or they may provide some, even some narration to that point. Modern Warfare 3 doesn't do this. It just says you need to do a, uh, go to a certain point and complete said objective and lets you figure out the rest. This would be fine if the game would let you complete it any other way, but it doesn't. You have to complete it its way. It just doesn't tell you what way it is. Um... This new formula that has been employed for this campaign, I feel, is a welcome transition. I enjoy the ability to come up with a plan of attack, strategize, and equip myself accordingly, and then execute the mission. It feels less hand-holdy this way and creates player agency. However, I feel the way that it was employed is rushed and falls short of a positive experience. Rainbow Six players and those from a tactical shooter base will find it's not refined enough to be enjoyable. Advanced open-world shooters like Battlefield will find it's clunky, and irres irresponsive of multiple means to an end. And fans of Call of Duty will find that it falls, falls well short of the guide rails previously employed in the series' campaign endeavors. The writing also feels very forced and not well thought out, with a major spoiler feeling very gotcha-styled and lacking the emotion and attention that that moment truly would deserve, expending a key moment in the plot for a cheap reaction at the expense of the player's emotions. Character dialogue is on point with the characters, but in a way that feels like none of the characters evolved at all. They say exactly what would be expected of them in a situation, nothing more and nothing less. 
It cheapens the depth of the characters that we began to explore in Modern Warfare 2019, which have felt established an excellent base on which to build these individuals and their experiences as we grow with the story. To put it bluntly, the entirety of the plot and dialogue comes off as if a child was playing with toy soldiers in a sandbox and reciting all the lines and key moments to themselves, not as if this was designed and written by one of the largest, most powerful video game development firms in the world. Moving into the multiplayer portion of the game, we have several blades of content to discuss. First and foremost is the core Modern Warfare 3 multiplayer experience. The inclusion of many fan-favorite modes and playlists allow a variety of games to be played across the default maps. Unfortunately, the maps are currently quite limited and none of them are original, with all the 6v6 maps being updated versions from previous Call of Duty titles. Weapon progression is essentially the same as in Modern Warfare 2, with the exception of the tuning function being removed from this installment. All of, your, all of your Modern Warfare 2 weapons are available as well as new weapons from Modern Warfare 3 to play with. There are some considerable bugs and defects with some of the equipment not working properly or at all, and others creating a series of glitches, one of which resulted in me not having any weapons or equipment and no option to even melee. The user interface also glitches in and out quite a bit, which is disappointing as well, especially in a title of this caliber. Most notably, Time to Kill has been increased from uh, previous titles, but Modern Warfare 2 weapons have not been buffed to balance for this at all yet. Um, my biggest gripe with multiplayer is skill-based matchmaking. Uh, skill-based matchmaking prioritizes matching skill of the lobby over connection quality, which results in a chaotically low-quality connection um, and chaotically low-quality connection efforts and unbalanced gameplay. I'm playing um, hardwired to a 1500 megabit uh, fiber optic connection that's 1500 up and down. Um, I don't experience this type of issue in any other game. And in fact, this issue seems to be directly related to the skill-based matchmaking as determined by the gameplay data. A great example of how I established uh, this theory is I logged into a brand new user profile. Um, that user profile has no play history in any game whatsoever. And I hammered out 20 matches or so. Not a single glitch, not a single buffer, not a single hang-up lag. None of it. No latency. Um, I was connecting consistently at under 30 uh, milliseconds ping. No connection issues, nothing. Um, I switched profiles. Same console. Just went back into my normal profile. And went into my uh, account and immediately I could get a connection less than 60 milliseconds. And once I went in, there was lots of jank. Lag was kind of in and out. And I feel that the game uses lag and latency to balance the lobby instead of just putting similarly skilled players together. Um, I, th I think it does that just to keep the, the lobbies moving and, and keep the players playing. But instead, I would rather them apply skill-based matchmaking only to rank playlists and you know, or, or have an opt-in on it and then let the rest of the players enjoy ba uh, playing based off of connection. Um, and, and it's not that I was doing better on my new profile. I wasn't really doing any better. I was scoring probably on average about the same, maybe slightly better. But you also got to consider the fact that I wasn't getting any lag. And when I say lag, I mean um, like I was playing on... Uh, Skid Row, 
and at the end of the hall on the second level of the building in Skid Row, there, it's an L shape, right? Um, you have the one side of that goes down the stairs that everybody camps at, and then at the other end of the hall, you have like an L shaped double set of doors, and it goes out to the east or sorry, west side of the map. Um, that L, right? So it's coming up to that L, and I got killed on my screen. I just saw a person and I got killed. Watched the kill cam, but he was around the corner for quite a long, lot longer than I saw him. Like, I mean, noticeable, like he had a three round burst gun and he hit me with three, three round bursts before I fell. That did not happen on my screen. Right. And yet 1500 megabit connection. So, you know, obviously it, it has to be associated with the ping. I didn't get a single instance of that on my other on this other profile. I only got that happening on my main profile, which has been played quite a bit. And I imagine as I play the other profile, it would start to happen again, right? But if I just ran around and, and derped my way through, I I'm wondering if it would happen. Be interesting to, to kind of think. Um. Anyways, kind of moving on. I I got sidetracked there, but. Moving on, um, a key component of, of Call of Duty in this day and age is uh, what zombies mode it has. And in Modern Warfare 3, that mode is known as Modern Warfare's or MWZ. Um, zombies has been retooled into an open-world extraction-based shooter, and I feel that this is for the better. This mode has unique missions, challenges, and characteristics to it that allow players to enjoy it separately from the other multiplayer modes, while at the same time allowing weapon progression to be shared. Uh, dropping into a massive map, players are grouped into teams of three and have certain goals to achieve. Um, there are contracts to complete, loot uh, to find, and an extraction point to find. The team infills into an area of the map. From there, they can navigate through the challenges to earn currency, it's called Essence, to purchase equipment and weapons upgrades in order to challenge the harder areas of the, of the map. As time winds down, players must make the extraction point to exfil out of the map. You get to keep everything that you exfil with. Well, you get to keep what you exfil with as far as weapons and stuff goes, but you lose anything that you drop. Finding the balance of what to keep and what to leave uh, kind of can change how things get played. It also can change what you initially load in with because you don't want to be like, oh, what if I find something really good? This is a good gun. And if I find something really good, I don't want to lose my good gun too, right? So you gotta you got to kind of plan through with that. Um, there are vehicles also scattered throughout the map, four-wheelers, trucks, uh, whatever. Um, and that allows for fast travel between points. And that's, that's an important factor in determining the, the time that it's going to take to make extraction. Uh, we were playing last night and I was like, Hey guys, we got like a minute 10 to make extraction. And in that minute 10, I noticed a, like a minute 15 when I was buying a, uh, a wall weapon and I had a challenge where or my objective of my mission was to buy a wall weapon and get 50 kills with it. And at a minute 15 left, we had to, I bought this weapon. I was like, Hey guys, it's like, we got a minute 10 to make the extraction point. And, uh, and team was like, okay, we got to hike it. So we started just booting it towards the extraction point. And I had this weapon and I got, not only did I get the 50 kills, with it, but I also got, I had a separate challenge for, um, critical kills, the daily challenge. 
for critical kills with my SMG. And this is the only SMG I had played with so far in Zombies. And I got both challenges done in that last minute. Like, that's how insane this game can be. Uh, I had to get 50 critical kills with an SMG. And I got 50 critical kills with an SMG. And obviously my 50 straight-up kills with it. So pretty impressive stuff. And this was just a wall gun. I hadn't um, uh, ranked it up yet. Power punched it or whatever it's called. Punched it up. Um, so it, it, it's actually really cool and really fun. I love extraction stuff. And this, uh, this I think, adds a good twist to it. And narratively, it makes sense. It works for the universe that we're working in. Um, MWZ is also entirely player versus environment with other players being in the map, but not in competition with you. They can help you. Um, they can hinder you in non-direct ways by like taking an objective that you were going to try to take. So like, let's say there's a contract on the map and you're going to drive to that contract and get that contract and do this mission and then and go from there. And somebody else picks up that objective before you get there. Well, now you, you have a different, you have to go for a different contract, right? Makes a difference. Um, that being said, I say they're not directly against you and working together, it helps, right? So, you know, we, we came across a group of guys, group of players uh, trying to complete another objective in the same vicinity that we were trying to complete an objective and we helped each other. You know, we helped them take down their, uh, their objective and they helped us take down ours and then we went our separate ways and it was good help. It was good, nice, uh, nice work. Um, but anyways, this helps make Modern Warfare or MWZ an exciting and enjoyable mode to be played amongst friends as well as for novices to match make with other players to form a new team. Communication is vital, so be sure to use a headset, and I mean vital. Um, as of this writing, Season 1 hasn't launched yet, and there isn't any new content for DMC or Warzone to discuss yet, so, you know, I'm, I'm not really going to delve into that. That's still the same game from before, although they did say that DMC was... Um, wasn't going to be expanded upon any further so it is what it is the roadmap does look promising though with with the new content and battle pass stuff so we will have to see what's in store over the coming year uh for modern warfare 3 and see how that progresses into the new call of duty black ops cold war that will be coming out next year there's my leak of the day i probably already talked about that who knows i've known that for like a year um Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 2023 by Sledgehammer Games falls short of its predecessors in many ways and leaves the impression of a rushed and careless development process at the expense of not only the player's experience, but also the reputation and well-being of the development team responsible. A poorly executed campaign combined with minimal original content across both campaign and multiplayer is only partially redeemed by its fun and addictive play style and well-executed well zombie mode amassing further proof that a rush product is a bad product. I can only hope that under their new ownership, the burden of making, a new, of making an annual release is lifted, allowing these highly skilled and creative teams the time it takes to flourish and create strong gaming experiences for years to come. Uh, pros. It's an extract, the extraction-based zombie mode is fun and replayable. Multiplayer is on point despite its bugs and, and skill-based matchmaking. Um... Changes to campaign style are promising and followed through. I really liked how they left it open and it wasn't on rails like a lot of modern war or a lot of Call of Duty content is. 
most Call of Duty content is we need to do go from here to there doing this on the way. And that's that is it. That is all you get to do. Um, there are some exceptions to that in, in the game, but that is largely what is expected of you with it. In this, it was much more open. It gave us uh, a lot more ability to experience our own things and do our own things. Um, but it needs to be refined and polished yet. So I hope they stick through with it, and I hope they bring that down into their next title, Sledgehammer's next title, likely, um, down the road, because I think that has a very promising outlook if they, if they do it. Um, cons, rush product needs needed more time for development and quality assurance. Lazy writing coupled with minimal original content. Skill-based mat matchmaking needs to be fixed or killed off. Massive file size needs better optimization. Um, and reviewed on the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S. And let me just say, on the Series S, it is almost entirely the entire console. It is ridiculous. I think there's like two other games on that console right now. On the Series X, it's not so bad. I got a handful of games, but still, I had to delete quite a bit to get in there. You know, we're talking quarter of, of Series X and over half of a Series S. And, and that's not including the, like, the operating space buffer, so quite a bit. Anyways, and I rated this 6 out of 10. And I think in a fair and just universe, I would likely treat, you know, if I was doing this for a, an outlet, I would suggest that we review the campaign and the multiplayer experiences separately. Maybe that's justified, maybe that's not. I don't know if there's a precedent for that. I think the multiplayer is much better than, than the campaign is. The campaign's bringing down the score two points. Easy. Two and a half, probably. Yeah, it is what it is. All right. We can't get anywhere without you know some bumps in the road. And as I say, I don't think it's going to be necessarily this bad for long. Um, I really hope under Microsoft they're allowed to flourish and, and do more of their own thing. I understand kind of the ball is already in motion for, for 2024. It was too late to stop 2023 by the time the acquisition went through. I think if Microsoft was able to close the deal in January as opposed to November or October, October they closed. So if Microsoft was able to close the acquisition of Activision Blizzard in, in January, let's say, I don't think this game got released if that happened. Um, obviously, the ball was already in motion there. And I I think, you know, here's hoping, actually, when, when it comes to Black Ops Cold War. Um, or not Cold War, Gulf War. God. Call of Duty Black Ops Gulf War is, is next year's game. Um, and they got a whole extra year of development over what they usually get. So, you know, you got three teams, that's three years a, a game, they got four. So it's been 2018 since they got a game. So maybe they can do something with that. Who knows? But either way, we need to move on with it. Um, so what have I been playing? Well, 
I don't think it should surprise anyone. I've been playing Call of Duty, obviously. Um, and my thoughts are my thoughts there, right? I think I've already gone over all that. Uh, Starfield. Um, still been playing that. Um, um, in my first new game plus. Yeah, I'm in my first new game plus. It's it's fun. It's still doing its thing for me. I am less needing to be on it all the time now, and more so I just visit it and, and do my stuff when I have the right mood for it. Um, other games I've been playing, Steam World Build. It just came on Game Pass, actually, December 1st. Um, it's a it's a management sim, and in a lot of ways it's like a city builder, but you also have to manage resources and things like that, and unlike most city builders, there is a plot point. There is an end. And that gives you a cool goal to work with. It it has the whole SteamWorld vibe to it from like SteamWorld Dig and all that. You have to do mining. You have to do all that stuff. That's all in there as well. And uh, it, it's a very fun game. And it's it's very chill and relaxed and I enjoy it. Um, another game I've been playing, Chip Graveyard Simulator. In fact, I've, I've kind of done all I can do there or all I probably will do in that. Um, Ship Graveyard Simulator is is pretty well named game because that's what you do. You strip ships of parts and then you use the resources to um, expand your tools and your capabilities so you can strip more ships. Cool, eh? Um, I I like those kind of things, right? You got to do torching and grinding and you know that stuff. It's fun. Uh, but as I say, I kind of did everything with it, and that is where it is with it. Um, and then Mafia. I've been playing the Mafia Definitive Edition on my PS5. Uh, I've been playing that later at night, just kind of... I, I like the the gameplay's obviously fun. Um, I like the storyline and that kind of thing with it. And it's a game... I really enjoyed it back when it first came out. I was, I was a huge stand for, for the original Mafia. Um, when it first came out, I, I would just go open world, drive around in the old cars, and just enjoy my time. But uh, something happened, and I just never went back to it. And I don't know whether it was a matter of I needed, I was playing, something else came out, and it tickled my fancy more, or what. But I just couldn't play, uh, stop playing it. And then obviously being stuck on an older console didn't help because it was, you know, PlayStation and I never really got back to it. And then it finally came out here on, uh, on the, on the PS5. Well, I think it's PS4 is the, is the definitive edition. It's, I think it's a PS4 game. It might be PS5. Anyways. And I got it on the, on PlayStation plus and I was just like, you know what? I want to play these again. So, I downloaded it and started playing it again, and uh, now I want to see how the story progresses and how all three games are linked together, and I'm going to do it, you know, 20 years later, but I'm going to do it, and it's fun, really enjoyable. Um, funny thing, thinking about that Mafia game now, is um, there's gameplay tropes, you know, like they, they redid their their graphics, and the sound, I think, was on point. The CG's better, I would say. Maybe it's the same CG and just polished. I'm not 
you know, just uh, like op-resed or something, but I'm not 100% sure. But, uh, you know, it's obviously a very good-looking and sounding game, being a, a deluxe version, but or a re definitive edition, remaster, whatever you want to call it. But they never uh, redid the uh, the gameplay, right? It's not a remake. And there's there's gameplay methods that just don't fly in 2023 that this game's got. And it's, it's kind of funny. You know, you have this big, huge open world, but there's still only one way to solve a problem. And, uh, and that, so, it, you know, there are little things to it that are just like, eh, you know, that, that didn't age near as good, but it's still a good game. It's still fun. And again, it's a remaster, not a remake. So I expect it to be like that anyways. Um, anyways, that about does it for uh, this week's episode. As I say, I will uh, be back on Thursday to do a co-stream for the uh, unofficial co-stream of the Game of Awards, which is fun. And we will talk while that is happening and kind of go over everything that, as it happens. So join me for that. That'll be live on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe so you get notifications when I go live on YouTube. And you will be able to watch that with me. And it will be a full-on um, co-stream. I will be a little guy in the bottom corner of the screen, like way over here somewhere. Okay. And I'll just be like, hey, look at me. All right. Uh, so that does it for this week. You can find more from us on Twitter by following at Amarin Studios. That is A-M-A-R-R-E-N-S-T-U-D-I-O-S. Or on YouTube, our link is in the audio description of the show. If you do watch us on YouTube and want to bring us with you on the go, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you find your pods. I have been Warren. You've been the best audience I could ever ask for. Thank you for joining us and see you next time. Don't forget to go to w.gg. Use promo code WELLPLAYED to get 10% off of your order of W Energy drinks.